Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 2021's Judas and the Black Messiah, directed by Shaka King and starring Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? I watched Gone with the Wind. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it had been a long time since I'd seen it, and I'm like, well, I, I should probably like be more familiar with this movie since it's what yeah. it is. And I watched it, and... I hope to never have to watch it again. Um, so everybody, whenever we have our Dudes on Demand month, um, I want to put it out there. Uh, all I ask is that you don't request <laughs> The Human Centipede or Gone with the Wind. Just just do me that one favor and we'll be okay. Yeah, at least we have the right to veto. You That's know, true. If, yeah, we, we do. The demands come in. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd ever want to watch it again. Right. I watched it a few years ago and man... It, <laughs> I bought it because yeah. I was like, one day, like, they're going to scrub this from history, so I need a copy of it. <laughs> right. And, I mean, it's fine, I yeah, guess, it is. but it's not good in many ways, if you uh, ask me. In many ways, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, chief of which, of course, is that it seems to, like, you know, paint <laughs> the, the, the old South as some kind of paradise, and, and yeah. it just, man, it's it's the opposite of this movie we're doing today, that's for sure. It is. You know? Uh, both movies got uh, Oscar winners, though. They, they, so yeah, they do. That, that's true. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's, yeah. there's a... No a one of... in this movie is called Mammy. No, so, exactly. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. And, you know, like... There, there's some <laughs> satisfaction in knowing that I will never have to watch Gone with the Wind ever again in my whole life. Wonderful. Yes. I, I love our list of movies, Dave. <laughs> there's there's a Human Centipede and Gone with the Wind. Like th- yes. Those are the two. Exactly. <laughs> Steer clear of those and you're fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Put Song of the South on there <laughs> and Hostel. You know, we'll, we'll oh, throw yeah. those on there. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, sweet, Dave. Um, <laughs> I watched a movie called Drive My Car. It's also from 2021. Uh-huh. It won Best Foreign Film at the Oscars yeah. that year. It's from Japan, directed by uh, Rusuki Hamaguchi, I believe is his name. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's quite a good film, I've man. seen this movie, it's yeah. It's really good. Excellent movie. Um, it's about, basically, it's about people dealing with the past and, you know, all their problems and stuff. You know, it sounds generic, but it's not. It's so original. No, it's, it's awesome. It's about, like, uh, a play, con- uh, a director of plays and stuff. Right. They're, they're doing a production, and he's dealing with uh, stuff that's happened with his wife and then all these other people, and he's got someone who has to drive his car for him, and you learn about her past and dealing with that. But the way it's directed and structured and thrown together is just out of this world man it's I so know. good right like it's not flashy or anything it's just so amazingly well done yes and the acting performances from everyone is dynamite and i i, I should i guess i was gonna say i should have looked this up but i know you were gonna bring it up but uh-huh. I, I remember yeah it did win the best foreign film oscar but i it should have been probably nominated also for just best picture overall. i believe it should have yes yeah excellent movie uh yeah wonderful everyone watch Drive my car. Yes. It's it's worth it. It's three hours long, but right. it doesn't feel like it. Right. All right, Dave. So now let's talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Uh, sure. Uh, before I get into the synopsis of that, I just wanted to print a retraction on something from our most recent listener response oh, show yeah. that came out <laughs> last week. Um, on it, I was loudly wrong when I said that Bill Cosby fired Lisa Bonet from the Cosby <laughs> show in 1987 due to her taking the role in Angel Heart. But that was incorrect. Um, she was fired from the show in 1991 over unspecified creative differences. So my apologies, everyone, for not oh, doing my homework mm-hmm. on that. 
uh, Bill Cosby remains a scumbag, but not yes, for that reason. I, we didn't edit it out because it was just too much fun to be calling him a devil. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was necessary. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the synopsis of Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, so this very important film is based on the story of William O'Neill, a young man in 1968 Chicago who gets into trouble with the law and... In exchange for money and not having to do time, the FBI convinces him to infiltrate the Black Panthers, Illinois chapter to get close to and eventually betray the party chairman, Fred Hampton. Um, as I said, th- this movie is very important. It's also very brave, and it takes an unapologetic stance about the ways in which our institutions let us down. Um, it's also a powerful reminder of how important cinema of this kind is because it's real activism and it speaks truth to power. Um, and just like with our episode on Nil by Mouth, this one might feel somewhat different from what we normally do because it's about serious matter, serious issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we know you guys like the challenge, so here we go. Yeah, here we go, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this movie is so good. I remember when it came out and I saw it. I know I know Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are excellent actors, yes. and I've known that for a while. But in this movie, man, oh my God, they both just... Nail it. In top form, I know. Yeah, they they both got nominated for supporting actor because that's how the Oscars go, I guess. But man, put them both in lead if I mean they're that good. And it and when when the both both lead actors are put into the supporting actor like yeah. uh category, it's like, well then who's the movie about? Right, exactly. You know, I, I can't believe they did that. Me neither. I know they wanted to give them some credit, I guess. Right. And sometimes they tweak things around and do crap like this. But man, I you know what? They're being oppressed by the system once I mean, again. Dude, honestly, it's it's it it's no accident that this happened with this movie. I mean, like with Amadeus, we we talked about it on that episode. The two lead actors were both in the best actor category. Mm-hmm. So do it again. It, yeah. And same with with any movie. I mean, like if if it's Brokeback Mountain had the same thing where they put one person in the supporting for no reason, even though the role was just as big. I mean, like, this movie is about two protagonists for different reasons. They both have equal screen time. They should both be in the lead actor category. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so let's get into it then. Yes. Um, You mentioned Bill O'Neill. That's Lakeith Stanfield's character. The movie kind of opens up on him with, like, actual documentary footage. Because this is based on real life, folks. Like, stuff that actually happened. Um, and it's from a documentary called uh, Eyes on the Prize 2, yeah. I believe, that came out in 1990. But he's talking about this reflecting on the late 60s, early 70s, where he was tasked by the FBI to infiltrate the Black Panthers and turn over uh, Fred Hampton, the leader. Right. And it's it's him in the footage saying, you know, they're asking him, like, what? well, what would you tell your son about what you did, you know? And at this point, we don't know what he did unless you know the story. Right. But... Uh, then it goes into the actual thing. Yeah, and I like how in the beginning when they're showing the like they're they're interspersing like clips from from the Eyes on the Prize to with like recreated footage where yes. they put Lakeith Stanfield in the chair with the same clothes and they even shoot it in yeah, the it looks same like film it. stock. So where it's like he's giving the interview. Yeah. Um, and that's of course you know like later on uh, at the end of the movie we see the real footage and it's like it, it's amazing how 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 well they did with with recreating that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like they really went out of their way to do this. And like, cool. the age makeup on Lakeith Stanfield oh, looked great. Yeah, I, was I know. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, he looks old. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that's makeup. Right, yes. Yes, I know. It, it was kind of jarring at first. I was like, yeah. oh, man, I, Lakeith Stanfield's older than I thought he was. No, no, they, they that was movie magic. Right, yeah. Oh, it's the movies, Dave. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, what happens in this movie was not movie magic. It yes. was a real 
thing. Yes, uh, t- terrible, terrible stuff that goes down. And I mean, like, we'll, we'll get into it, of course. But I mean, it's it's everything that, that we want to see changed in America and just still hasn't. Right. And before we get into Bill uh, and meeting him and finding out what happens to him, you see Martin Sheen giving this speech about how the Black Panther Party is the biggest threat to America, bigger than China and Russia even. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a rich white guy. <laughs> God damn it. You know, like... J. Edgar Hoover, yeah. uh, who Martin Sheen is portraying here, is underrated as one of the biggest scoundrels in American history. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. that he would have the authority to task the FBI, a massive organization with limitless funding, manpower, and weaponry, mm-hmm. to focus its efforts on a political leader whose platform is asking the government to work with his organization in providing the most basic human necessities. Mm-hmm. Um it will never stop being an outrage, you know, and, and he, he had, this guy had unchecked power and instead of focusing on real criminality, he used it to prey upon people who were trying to make a difference. Yep. Yeah. Real douchebag. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then after this, we see Bill O'Neill and he's going into a bar called Leon's and he's dressed in like a Humphrey Bogart outfit, you know, <laughs> with the tr- trench coat and the hat and everything. Yep. And he comes in pretending he's an FBI agent. We don't know this yet. He just flashes the badge and he has everyone put their stuff out on the pool table and he takes the keys to this flashy car that's out front. It's a GTO. He's like, like, yeah, this this car was reported stolen and you're coming with me. And he grabs the keys and goes out. And everyone's like, why is the FBI worried about a stolen car? And they realize, oh, this guy's a phony. (laughs) This is just a guy trying to rob us. And and at one point they they kind of I don't know if they recognize him but like his hat falls off while he's while he's strong arming this guy. They say he looks really young. Yes, that's right. Yes, because he probably is. Yeah, he's, he's a teenager. probably eighteen, maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like he had his hat pulled down way low so you couldn't see his face. Oh yeah, and uh, he goes out there and in one of the um, I I've never seen someone take a knife and cut a rag top open to yeah, get yeah. at somebody. And yeah. it was like, holy shit, there these guys are, this is the real deal. Yeah. You know? After they call him out, he runs out, tries to take the car yeah. and he gets in and they're all just surrounding it and beating it and <laughs> trying to get him. <laughs> and the one guy knives through the roof, which Man. is awesome. And it's his car. It's his own car. And he's just like, well, yeah. I, this guy's not taking it from me. Yeah. I'm going to destroy it just so he can't have it. Yep. You know, and he pulls away and you think he's got it. He kind of laughs and then the cops get him right, right away. Which is kind of funny. Yes, I loved it, it. it. He he's he's nabbed in about thirty seconds. Yes. Um, and and we, uh, we're introduced to F. And he th- we had been introduced to him at Hoover's speech originally. We just he was saw in him the crowd. in the crowd. Yeah. yeah, it's Jesse Plemons as FBI Special Agent Roy Mitchell. Yes, and he's interviewing Bill O'Neill here, and he's like, "Oh, well, you got a fake badge. Like, why don't you just use a gun?" And this is a great part of the movie here because it really lays it out. And he's like, just use a gun. Why you use a fake badge? That's stupid. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, the badge has more power than the gun, which lay it out right there, man. Sad it's but true. true. Anyone can get a gun, he says. Yeah. But the badge is like having a whole army behind you. Yeah. It's, oh, man. I, I know. It, there's a lot of weight behind what he yeah. says there. And obviously, it's, it's just when you flash a badge, especially in that time, in that place, yeah, it, it's, it, it is a weapon. Yep. And so Mitchell is kind of questioning him here. He's he's getting him to become an informant for him. Right. He's he's molding him into this, pressure, kind of pushing him into it, you know, like, hey, you'll go to jail or you help me, you know. Right. And he asks him how he felt about when King and X were murdered. And Lakeith Stanfield says he never really thought about it, which I think is great to set up where he is at this point in the movie yeah. and where he ends up, yeah. you know, because... 
he's going from this like apathetic view of things to actually having a stand. Yeah. So it's really important to set up his growth. And I I do like that. Um, I, I that's that's a good point to bring up because it's 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 a weird thing with um I guess just activism in general. You know, um I. Even someone who thinks, like, who has the same politics as activists, they might not be activists themselves. Right. Or they might be apathetic, like you said. Um, not every person who, like, is part of, of any kind of oppression is, maybe they don't always have an activist uh, streak in them. Yeah. You know, they, they might just be trying to live their life. Yep. And uh, and he and at this point, Bill O'Neill is like that. Yep. And so he's forced into helping them. And then we meet Fred Hampton, played by Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, he's giving a speech at a college, and when he gets introduced and he, he doesn't get on the mic, I love the line he says, he's like, I don't need a mic, can y'all hear me? Wow. Like, that just tells you in one sentence how confident and important this guy is. I don't need the mic for you to hear me. And we find out later that when he died, he was 21 years old. Oh, man. Yeah. This guy, I mean, from all the footage I've seen and everything I've read, I mean, like, it, it is the portrayal we see in this movie. Mm -hmm. He was that confident. He had a fierce intelligence. Um, like, one of the greatest, uh, I mean, forget about public speaking, just one of the greatest political minds in American history. Yeah. And he had all of this when he was essentially a child. You know, still a kid. Yeah. Um, and he was a leader. And, yep. and like, and it's... Daniel Kaluuya's performance here, I mean, Man, good lord, God, it, it, it's it's electrifying in every way, you know. For a while, I I liked Lakeith better, but every time I watch this, I'm like, dude, Daniel is amazing. He's on fire, and I mean, know? he won the Oscar, of course, for it, right, deservedly so, right. Um, and like, he's not even like he's a poet. It's, it's what uh. Dominique Fishback says to yeah. her, her character, Deborah, right. who becomes his love interest and, you know, girlfriend, mother to his son, yes. that thing. Uh, and that's where they meet at this speech. She right. tells him that, like, hey, maybe you should get someone to write these for you uh, <laughs> a little better. Because <laughs> she knows about poetry. Yeah. And, and she's, um, and yeah, she hears him. She, she hears all the, the important, the, she knows how uh, important this all is. And she wants to help. She's also obviously smitten. Oh, yeah, know? man. Who wouldn't be? Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we see him kind of just teaching people about his philosophy and things, and we see, I guess he's at, you know, it's a Black Panther meeting. He's right. talking to everyone at the meeting, and uh, Bill O'Neill is there, and uh, this is where we, he, he infiltrates right here. You right, know? he becomes like a student of their, you know, because they're, they're, they're holding classes on, they, they have public rallies and they have speeches at colleges, but yeah. they also just have like classes where they teach people about Marxist-Leninism. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so look, uh, Bill O'Neill is there just as a student. That's how his first that's how he first infiltrates the, exactly. the, the party. And I like at first he's like, you know, he's new to it himself and he's like breaking all the rules. Yep. You know, he's, yep. he's there, but doesn't really know what he's doing. Right. And he's hitting on the women there and he gets in trouble, which is great. It's great. <laughs> I mean, like, like Fred pulls him aside and says, you know, like O'Neill. Uh, what have we talked about with, with, you know, taking liberties with, with our sisters? Uh -huh. And he says, they're your sisters and your sisters in arms. And don't forget that. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, you know, they're soldiers like we are and, yeah. you, and you better, you better, you know, toe the line here. Yeah. Which Respect is awesome. Them. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and make them do 20 pushups, which I like. Oh my God. <laughs> 20 pushups, comrade. On you your know. knuckles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> is this where he's doing this is the war versus politics speech too? Yeah. yeah. He's like, well, what's the difference? Like war is politics with blood, right? Right. And politics is war without blood. Which you know, I mean, he he's he's figured out the world. Yeah, he really. He's what nineteen in this scene? Yeah, maybe? yeah, yeah. I mean, he really was a, just a rare bloom. I mean, this guy he 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 understood everything about how government in America works and and law enforcement and everything else, every aspect of it. Yeah, Man, he had yeah. it down. Yeah, and then they go to try to uh, they try to unite with another group called right. the Crowns. They get in a car. They go to. That bar again, Leon's, and you're like, all right, so something's going to happen because yeah. shit went down at the beginning of the movie, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So they go in. Lakeith is kind of like hesitant because, you know, this he got busted here. Yes. So they go in and it's real tense because we know what happened before. And like, this is like a rival gang. almost. Like you can view it like that. Yeah, exactly. You're going on to someone else's turf. Right. Which is a dangerous thing. And he's coming in to spread peace. That's what he wants. You know, he wants to join up and fight the real enemy, yeah. not each other. Right. Um, and he gets... Who's the guy... Who's the... What's the main crown guy's name? I can't remember um, his, his name. His name is Rod Collins. He's played right. by the actor Amari Cheatham. Right. And he's awesome in Yeah, this that too. guy is really commanding as well. Yeah. He tells him, you know, you know where you're at. You know, right. you shouldn't be talking about this stuff here. Yep. And the great... He's in there spreading the word about the new, like... Free free breakfast they have for kids and yes, stuff. Free breakfast for children. Like, that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want that? I guess he has a hidden agenda, right? He's yeah, there well, to try to. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, like the the free breakfast for children program. It it, it was exactly what what it's describing. It, it's yeah. it was offering free breakfast for kids. And during the while, while the kids were eating, they were being um, like taught about socialism, right? You know, and and communal living and uh, like using government for uh, addressing our fundamental needs, you know? Yeah, and also teaching them about, you know, the patriarchy, the oppression. Yes, oppression, you know? and, exactly. Yeah. Yes, like, n- not not fully militarizing them or, or you know, like, making them, uh, I mean, just just letting them know the, the, the dangers that they're going to face. Right. And that they've already faced, when, even as children, oh, yeah. they've al- that's already happened yeah. to them, you know? Yeah, and then, so, like, things in the bar kind of start to go down a little bit because they're confronting each other. And Bill O'Neill gets a pool cue and jumps in front of Fred Hampton to protect him. And he's like waving this pool cue around <laughs> while everyone else has guns pulled. Right? <laughs> and so when they leave, you know, everyone's teasing him, like calling him Wild Bill. Yeah. He gets his nickname Wild Bill here, which is so fucking good. And the scene when they're in the car, just like the rapport yeah. that the, the small group of Black Panthers have together is yeah. just so wonderful. Like they're, they just got out of this life and death situation because of something weird this guy did with the pool cue. And, and <laughs> I know. And, and Judy. It's like uh, getting, like, it's like he has a kitchen soup ladle and he like waves it at people. Well, like and that, that's, that's exactly. kind of what this is. Exactly. Cause, and, and Judy brings it up. She's like, you know, he, he brought a, a, brought a pool cue to a gunfight, you yeah. know, like it's just, <laughs> I mean, um, I, and like in the, in the moment when it happens, you're like, oh man, this guy's really fierce and he's really playing the character that the FBI wants him to and he's really like selling it. Yeah. And you can tell that they are grateful for his standing up for everybody. Yeah. But then when they get in the car, yeah, the, the, the back and forth is, hey, thanks for doing that. Thanks for standing tall, but here's what you did. Yeah. And that was kind of messed up. That was kind of yeah. stupid. You know, like, like obviously they had guns and we also saw um, like 
he I think I think O'Neill himself noticed it. He saw like in the mirror when they loaded up that sock. Oh yeah, with you know, the pool balls. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they were gonna like brain uh yeah uh, Fred with it. And so like that that's even more a more formidable weapon than a pool kill, oh, obviously. I know, man, that will kill you. Exactly. Hit. I yes. mean I mean and this real I mean this it's the first time he really steps up, like, right. and because he's trying to infiltrate the ranks, you know, yep. that's his job that Jesse Plemons gave him. Yes, um, and this is where it starts because now they see, okay, this guy's against all odds. He jumped up and defended us, right? Like that's something we need, right? And it, it didn't go unnoticed. No, exactly. They're, they're teasing him about it, but but yeah, they're they're grateful for that he that he is like taking this initiative. Yep. Um, so we get another meeting with O'Neill and Mitchell. Throughout the movie, we get a few meetings because right. he's he's trying to get them to do more things, get more information, and he every time he's kind of pressuring them a little more. Yeah. And he even gets threatening at one point. But at this part, he's telling O'Neill like, "Hey, I need more information," and he's telling him, "You know, the the Panthers and the Clan are like the same thing, right?" Which no, they're fucking no, not. they not fucking even are close. Not. I mean, they might do both do some violent things, but they're not even close, man. That that is such a false equivalency, yeah. you know, and that's another thing that like I'm I'm glad you brought that part up because yeah, throughout all these meetings, not only is he trying to is is Mitchell trying to to get you know O'Neill to do all this stuff, yeah. but he's also like doing some preaching, yeah, and 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 trying to indoctrinate O'Neill into like the FBI's way of thinking, right? And uh, this whole thing with like comparing the the Panthers to the Klan, obviously, um, but also when he tries to like show his own civil rights bona fides to O'Neill, mm-hmm. like ingratiate himself that way by talking about how he worked on the case of, of the, the three civil rights workers yeah. who were murdered in Mississippi. Yeah. As I understand it, and as as I as we all know, the, the FBI did not come in there guns blazing and right. and take down like <laughs> The, the racist sheriff yeah, and his deputy. We're not saving the day here. Exactly. The, it, it took them a good long while before they lifted a freaking finger to do anything about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the idea that he would, like, use that as a defense of, like, you know, hey, here's what I'm about. No, dude, you suck. You're, yeah. you're pathetic. Right. It It's so... It's so vague, this covering. It's, it's paper thin, yeah. like, what he's laying out here. Exactly. And O'Neill says to him, like, hey, you know, if I'm doing this, I need money like you need to give me some shit like yeah. so it's you know you scratch my back i'll scratch yours right tete-a-tete situation right which develops more and more throughout the film yeah and even at this part you can kind of see o'neill's a little hesitant with the whole situation yeah just a little bit at this point right but later on it gets way worse you know exactly and we find out later that like the there was there was he made about it throughout his career like doing this as working as the informant he made about two hundred thousand dollars and i don't know if like uh, this FBI agent was paying him out of his own pocket or if the government yeah. was doing it. We don't really find that out. But, I mean, the fact that he made this much money for all this work, I mean, obviously, you know, like, it was taxing, difficult work to yeah, do all this, this especially is... as someone who's not a law enforcement yeah. officer. You know, I mean, he was doing the work of the FBI while not being paid as such, you know? Right. So, uh, about Mitchell, you know, Jesse Plemons' character, do you think he, like, fully believes all this stuff? Because yes. he gets threatened by J. Edgar Hoover a little later in the movie. Yes. Um, he asked him, like, hey, what? Because he's got a baby girl. He's like, when your daughter grows up and bl- brings home a black man, what are you going to do? Right. You know, and he seems kind of put off his feet here. You know, he's on yeah. his heels. Like, yeah, like she wa- like, I don't know if he's trying. He doesn't want to reveal like that. He 
doesn't believe everything fully or if he's just scared for his daughter. Like, I don't know if he's trying not to admit something or or what. Well, when you first asked the question, I had the knee-jerk reaction. Yes, uh, but mm-hmm. like, I, m- maybe it is a bit more nuanced, but I think he leans more toward what Hoover says than, Probably. than not. Probably. You know? I, I also feel like he's becoming part of this, you know, good old boys club. Of course. And I think he's more f- interested in getting into that. And even if he does have his own personal beliefs that yeah. kind of differ a little bit, he's just playing along because I mean, that's, he wants to get into that, uh, into those roles, into that world. He wants to be a rich, powerful white dude. Right. Because that's, that's the easier road to take. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if you go along with what Hoover's saying and you just like, I mean, it, it is, it is way less stressful for him yeah. to just go along with all this and, and then have a rich, comfortable life. And going know? back to scratching each other's back, you know, like, yeah. That's what he's doing with Hoover here yeah. too. Like that's his whole life, man. I know. He's just doing doing things for people to get things from people. That and that's what really sucks about yeah. I guess just the day to day life of a special agent in the FBI is that like you are totally at the mercy, especially back then, of whatever the director is telling you. And the director yeah. of the FBI, I mean, Hoover was director of the FBI for forty years. You yeah. know, yeah. he he never relinquished that 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 role and. In many ways, he was the most powerful person in the country. You he know? was like the first director, wasn't he? He was the first. Yeah. And it lasted all the way to the Nixon administration. Yeah. You know, he, until his death in 1973. Yep. You know, uh, um, and <laughs> that, that's incredible. You know, the idea that you just have the same job for 40 years like that and and make it, you know, of course, evolve into what it does and, and, and use that, that uh, all those resources that, that he had at his disposal for what he did. You know, dude, he was more powerful than most people in the country. Absolutely. This guy was insane. He, he might have been number one, you know, as far as it's just in pound for pound. He was more powerful than the than the president. You yeah. Know? Yeah. He definitely was. Right. I mean, oh, dude, that guy sucks. Yeah, he I definitely mean, he does. Really sucks. Exactly. Um, you see it in the movie, too. Martin Sheen makes you hate him. I know. Which... And and it's great because Martin Sheen, like, you know, he, he's he's an activist from way back. I mean, oh, yes. You know, and, and obviously anybody who, who would take this role and he's having a great time stinking his teeth into like, I'm going to play J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. I'm going to unmask this guy <laughs> as the biggest fuck up, you know, like, the, and, yep. you know, he was arrested many times, Martin Sheen, for his participation in like nonviolent activism. Yeah. And it, it's kind of weird. In the election year of 2000, uh, there was this really unfortunate incident where a conservative pro-gun group called the National Shooting Sports Foundation hired Martin Sheen's brother, Joe Estevez, to narrate this, uh, do voiceover work on this pro-gun maker ad. Uh-huh. And they don't reveal that it's not Martin Sheen. And Joe sounds just like him. Oh, And so wow. people thought, oh, what's going on? I'm hearing Martin Sheen's voice, you know, on this, you know, like essentially an NRA thing. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> Martin had to like, you know, quickly regroup and get with his people to like, you know, do a voiceover for like a, pr- a pro gun control you That's know, funny. type thing. And, and it's just, it's so, <laughs> I, I mean, what if, what if you had like a, a no good brother who sounded exactly like you who was going around and like kind of That's essentially, ridiculous. I mean, it just sucks. I'm and who looks like my, him too. Ruin my brother's life. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's more famous than me. <laughs> And he is just, I mean, if you see Joe Estevez, he is essentially just Martin Sheen's stunt double. And he's been in like 400 of the trashiest movies you've ever seen. And like, he's just this guy who lives on the fringes of society who looks and sounds exactly like his older brother. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, that sucks. He's living in the shadow. That sucks. Um, So we get another meeting with the crowns here. 
uh, they go to the headquarters, right? They're they're allowed in. Yes. You know, this is a scheduled meeting. Right. And they go in, and you really see Fred ha- Hampton here shine. Right. He comes into this really threatening, dangerous situation and walks in, and they immediately are on the offensive against him. Right. You know, like, hey, why are you here? All this stuff. Like, we want something else. We're not the same. And immediately, Fred is like, no, we are the same. You know, we're fighting the same people. You know, mm-hmm. we're fighting the pigs. We're fighting the government. Yeah. You know, we're all oppressed. We might do things a little differently, but we're fighting for the same cause. Why don't we team up? Obviously, he's brimming with confidence at all times because mm-hmm. he just he, he knows who he is and what he's about. But like when they walk into this meeting... It's in kind of like a, a gallery, almost like a theater uh, where, where there's levels and everything. Yeah, it almost looks like a, a prison with yeah. like the... There's an upstairs, an upstairs like floor mezzanine area. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And throughout, like surrounding him are armed... The, the, the crowns are all like they have, you know, like automatic... They have weapons trained on yeah. the Panthers. It looks they like they're in. in The Rock. Yeah, you know? I know. It's that scene <laughs> in The Rock in the shower. Yeah, yeah it's the shower room yep. scene in The Rock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, we have you, we have your men surrounded in an elevated position, you know? <laughs> yes. Ed Harris is not there. No, but, thank um, God. Yeah. Uh, but like um, the Panthers are all... They, they, the way they walk in, it's uh, O'Neill... Fred Hampton, Judy, and uh, a couple other guys, and they're, they're yeah, kind like of like surrounding Jimmy them. and Jake or yeah, somebody. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and they 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 kind of they, they they walk in a circle, but they're they're like their backs are to each other, so they're like always you know like they're all, of, they're posted up looking yeah. for something to happen exactly yeah. mm-hmm. because they don't have their they, they're not armed themselves, right. even though like everybody from the crowns is, and like Fred Hampton like kind of sizes things up, and it's an amazing moment where he kind of wins over the leader of the crowns. He does. Because this guy was ready. I don't know if they were going to kill the Panthers, um, but they were ready to, and they were essentially threatening to, you know, while uh, Hampton was making his speech. And by the end of it, he gives him his rifle and says, you're going to need this. Yeah. You right. Know? <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, it's a great moment of like, look, I can't, I can't join with you right now. Yeah. Um, because obviously he'd lose face. Um, and, uh, and there's probably other philosophical differences they have, but like he respects him enough to like, let them leave the, leave the place. Right. But not before, uh, one of the crowns recognizes, uh, O'Neill. Yes. Yes. And he kind of confronts him for a second, but then gets like held back. Like, no, you're right. Cause he interrupts the leader of the crown. Yes. Like, because he sees a guy who tried to steal his car. Um, these yeah. are like the Panthers and the crowns are, are paramilitary organizations. Yeah. And they are like their leadership expects the rank and file to like have decorum. And you are, uh, you are essentially asked to, to be a soldier. And yeah. that means that you don't talk out of turn. Right. And so this guy did, and he's immediately corrected by his superiors. Right. And because of this, everyone else in the Panthers kind of noticed, he said that guy had a badge or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then Judy hears that. And so <laughs> after the scene is over, yeah. O'Neill is driving off with Judy and uh, the other guy. I can't right. remember his name. Yeah. But, uh, in the car. And they pull the gun on him like, hey, what's this about a badge? Man, and this is quite a scene. You know, <laughs> this is this scene was burned in my mind the first time I saw it. I was like, uh-huh. I'm never forgetting this scene. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, they pull over, got the gun on him. Hey, what's going on? And Lakeith Stanfield is like, oh, shit, I'm undercover. And now they're asking me. They think I'm a cop, but I'm not. But I kind of am now. Right. I wasn't then. But yeah. it's this whole situation. There's levels to it. Yeah. 
and he's trying to play it cool. This is probably my favorite Lakeith moment in the movie. One of them. Right. Like, it's off, it's up there. But he's, like, trying to tell this story about what happened. He tells the truth. That I went in with a fake badge because it's easier. Everyone just sees a badge, and they, they, they do whatever you say. Mm-hmm. And they find it hard to believe. Judy and the other guy ask him some really probing questions. Yeah. I mean, they're, they, they've done this before. They have done, you know, like interrogations. And it's great, too, because when Judy first gets in the car, by the way, Judy's played by Dominique Thorne. Yes. Um, and she, asks, she says to him, comrade, where's your gun? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, well, it's in the glove compartment. <laughs> and she gets it out and she pulls it on him. Points it right at him. Exactly. And then they, they, <laughs> the questioning begins. And they're asking him essentially like, okay, well, so you have this GTO. And you say that it was sto- stolen, but you have the keys for it. What's that about? Yeah. You know, and he's like, well, uh, obviously I'd have the keys. I mean, I have a friend who made keys. Really? Yeah. So how'd you get it originally? Uh, well, I hotwired it. And yep. th- it's like, hotwire this car right now. Show us. Yes. Do it again. Yes. And it's super tense. Yeah. Because we don't know if no. he knows how to hotwire or anything. And the way Lakeith does this is like, he's unsure. And and so he pops open the the drive the shaft there yeah. or whatever and, and drive shaft that's probably not what it is I'm not a car person people <laughs> the thing of my bob it's the ignition and he pulls yeah. out the long strings with electricity in them <laughs> I think they're called wires yeah you got that one yep <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's trying to hotwire it and it, it's pretty tense because you're like is he gonna do this or like what's gonna happen here and he's making it up as he goes along I mean yeah. like you see him with the 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 ten wires in his hand and uh-huh. he's trying to match them up just like I mean. Even a thief who's done this before probably has to to do this, you know. Yeah, it might take a second, right? You know, and you does, It's not always going to be the same color. He even wire. says, "All right, give me a minute." Yeah, which you're like, okay, does he know what he's doing or not? I know. Uh, so and he he gets it to start up, right? So, whew, yeah, I mean, let, yeah, let out the breath, massive exhale, you know. And then they ask him another question: If you stole this car, why do you have the keys? And it's like, oh, checkmate. I know it's done. I know. And he goes, man, I had my boy replace the lock, which, which makes perfect response, dude. I, I, I and I, <laughs> I guess that's plausible. But like, um, if I was Judy, I'd still be a little bit suspicious because so you, I understand you're a car thief. You're yeah. a career criminal. Got it. Yeah. Um, I don't know of any like guys who can, who can make you a key for the, for the ignition of the car you stole. I don't know. Maybe back then it was really easy. I don't know. I've heard of like, you know, like with the, the car door, you can like, um, you can make a wax impression of, oh, of like yeah, the, the, right. the key, but like the ignition, can you do that? I'm I sure don't know. You can replace, I don't know either. Like I said, I'm not yeah. a car guy. Right. The hole where the metal piece goes in. <laughs> I think that's called the key. Something like that. Um, yeah. As I understand but- <laughs> it. <laughs> but I think it's because the way he reacts as if, man, you motherfuckers stop. And he's like laughing yeah. like, man, you guys are crazy. Yeah, like, exactly. jo- he starts joking yes. about it then. Like, can we just move on? Yeah. This is ridiculous. It's a great performance like yeah. by Lakeith Stanfield, obviously, but it's also mm-hmm. a great performance by O'Neill yeah. to like, you know, play it not, only, not exactly. only get out of their questions, but then to play it like, hey, you guys are you guys are nuts. You yeah, know? exactly. Like and because he has he's wild bill to them, right? Like yep. this guy's a little little crazy. You know? <laughs> They're like, Okay, so yeah, this makes sense. This is in character for yeah. this guy. Yeah, exactly. And uh the way he's responding to us is in line with what we would expect. He convinces them. Yeah, yeah. it's it's he does it. And as he's laughing, he kind of looks out the driver's side window because the camera's shooting in from the outside, and you just see his face like drop, like just like relief and fear. Right. Like wow, I'm in over my head. Yeah. 
That's it's, a, it's a great touch of acting. I know, and, it, and it's a really effective shot, too, of like you said, about just kind of the distancing aspect of it. To see it from outside the car window like that, where it's, yeah. it's like, it's, I mean, if it was just, if the camera was on him and he, and he just kind of, oh, that would yeah. be like almost too on the nose. But instead, they kind of like bring you out of it and go, like, you have no idea what this guy just went through, you know, to, to, yeah. to get through what he did. Right. You know, yeah. It was life and death, and he got out of it. He got out of it, man. He still infiltrated the yep. system. He's still in there. Right. Whew, man. Yep. Um, and then we meet, uh, well, we've already met Deborah, but uh, there's a scene where Fred is practicing, or he's like reciting a speech, a famous speech, you yes. know, and Deborah walks in and is like uh, impressed by it, you know, right. like, I didn't know you did this stuff. So this is where they fall in love, you yes, know? of course. <laughs> and, and I mean, like, he's... I, I think it's it's a, it's a known speech like that that's on this tape that he's uh-huh. got. Yeah, and um and he's he's essentially like kind of memorizing it, and he he knows you know all, he's already memorized exactly, the he's whole got thing. It. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and and the we we already knew that they were going to fall in love to begin with because obviously that that was that's just how movies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is this is the scene where they where they you know like and it's great because she at one point like he's sitting next to her and they're kind of like looking down drinking their coffee, and he said and she goes. I never believed you would be shy. Oh, it's so good. And that that is true because like y- you think that Fred Hampton, the guy who's brimming with confidence at all times, yep. would always just be like a man of action in any situation. Exactly. He's not though. Taking charge. He's yeah. going to be like if if there's a girl he likes, he's going to be awkward, yeah. you know, which yep. is amazing. Yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> and this cuz she comes in, they both are doing the speech together cuz they both have it memorized. Yeah. And then it's kind of like awkward silence a little bit and she's like, "All right, I'm going to go." <laughs> and that kind of thing and he kind of just like, "You want some coffee?" <laughs> <laughs> so sure she's so happy because she's here she's fishing man oh totally she yeah, exactly. she wants him yes and yes. she's like tr- she's putting everything there like giving him all these opportunities <laughs> and he's barely taking it <laughs> because he's shy right like she said and he asks i, I love this line she, he asks her how do you like your coffee and she says black and sweet which is this man right of here? Of course. Dude. I mean, just, yeah, she's I, talking about I, him. I mean, she, Come she, on, she, man. It, it's not subtle. It is not subtle at all. <laughs> and and then because he just sits there in silence and she says, I didn't think you'd be shy. It's everything we've seen. He, he's been shy since she walked into the doorway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> dude. And and it's in obviously the, the, there's real feeling there because very few things can like, I mean, uh, Fred Hampton can walk into a room full of guys who are pointing guns at him and he's not nervous. Yeah. But when Deborah walks in (laughs) and just wants to talk to him about like, you know, a speech and prose, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he all of a sudden he's, he's fumbling for words. He's mush. Exactly. (laughs) He's putty in her hand. Exactly. Because Deborah has more power than those guys, (laughs) you know? I love it, man. Yep. And and it is cool. Like after she calls him out saying, I didn't think you'd be shy. He's like, I'm I'm not shy. Yeah. And it's just like, that's it. It's kind of silent for a little bit. Right. And then they, they kiss. And it's, and it's great because like, obviously, you know, when for, for her to say that one thing, I never thought you'd be shy. That is the invitation right there. Yeah. Like that. And, and he knows it. Like exactly. it's finally, it's, he's finally been given like, He's permission been, exactly yeah. yeah and he had the green light before but he just didn't i mean it's hard to know you right know? yeah but when someone says that it's like oh okay yeah. they want me to kiss she's them, she's know? literally saying i thought you'd be ripping my clothes off <laughs> yes, by now but exact, you're not yes right <laughs> right and, and it, it's a really wonderful scene it's you know? it's beautiful yeah. and the music is so good i in this know one. i mean i 
I know the original song was it won an Oscar. Right. Um, I don't know if it was like the whole score was nominated or anything, but like there's this soft piano that's just like romantic and sweet yes. during this, and it comes up a few times in the movie. And then, like, there's also, like, this awesome, like, jazz stuff and kind of funk stuff and, like, trumpets and things. I like, know. It's really awesome. Great score. Um, and it suits it perfectly. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. After this, like, they show Fred, you know, getting all these people to unite. You know, he's right. got the crowns and he's got, like, the Latino gang and stuff. Like, yeah. everyone. And he even gets, like, the white supremacists or something. Well, so they're not, is, they're, they're not white supremacists. It, it's okay. A, it's a weird gang that um, they're called the Young Patriots, I think. Okay. And what they were was, like, essentially, like, poor white people. Yeah. Who had come to Chicago from the South and they were a leftist organization, same as the Black Panthers, but they still use the stars and bars yeah. as their logo to like, you know, celebrate their Southern heritage. And I, I love when the Panthers walk in and they see the flag Yeah. and the first, and, and they, they ask him, you know, what's that about? And they tell him, oh, well, it's, 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 it's nothing. It's not about racism. It's, it's about like, just like our, where we come from. And they're like, that's not what I see. Yeah. You should not be using that. Right. You know, exactly. Um, cause I mean, you are, if you are who you say you are, and I think they are, I mean, they, they really are, you know, like for progressive causes, don't use the goddamn Confederate flag. You cannot put yeah. that out there because that sent, that's the, the wrong message. The, yeah. You know, and, and it's, and it means something different to everybody else. One of the Panthers says, I don't see a flag hanging there. I see myself hanging there. Absolutely. For real. Like, I know. That's what, it, uh, and at one point, like Fred Hampton kind of commandeers the meeting and he's like yeah. talking to everybody. Cause it's about to go down. It exactly. looks like. <laughs> yes. Cause these, these people are like, you know, all, all the, the people at the, at the young Patriots meeting, they're, they're semi welcoming to the Panthers, but they're also like ready to fight because they, they're talking about the Confederate flag. Yeah. And when Fred Hampton goes in front and like starts making the speech, it's a great shot of Daniel Kaluuya, uh, doing this speech, addressing these people mm -hmm. And the Confederate flag is behind him. Like, it's it's framed so that he's in the middle of the stars and bars. And mm -hmm. that's another obvious, you know, uh, piece of... It's not even symbolism. It's just, you know, like, here's what here's what he's, like, yes, railing against. exactly. You know, and he manages to convince the young patriots, hey, you know, you guys want the same things we do. Let's band together. Yeah. And I... I don't know enough about the Young Patriots to know whether or not they continued with, you know, using this like uh, Dixie iconography. Yeah. But if they, if I hope they didn't, because I mean, like they, they were, th that's a class organization of like people who actually wanted to um, go up against the, you know, the capitalist system that's keeping them down. So it, it's, it's very good. Yeah, and we see them all uh, at a rally outside the police headquarters. Banded and stuff, together. Just like, yeah, we're all fighting the same thing, man. Mm-hmm. Hampton's awesome. This I know. guy that, that how do you do this? I, it's it, this you have much to, influence I know. at that young age. I mean which is why they want to infiltrate the, the organization, which is why they want to take him down. They're afraid. Which J. Edgar Hoover is terrified of this man. And and that's and, and that's he might the not real... have three yachts anymore if this guy had food. You said it, dude. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Then and now, maintaining the status quo is the only thing that matters to the people in power. Yeah. You know, and and real change of any kind scares them like nothing else because creating a model of government that addresses our fundamental human needs would mean less material wealth for them. <laughs> it just it, oh my god. Yeah, you could still be rich and let people live. You know, you can, you can, you can have one yacht and then give, <laughs> give everyone else your other yachts, you know, 
Don't be a ass. I know. Unacceptable though, dude. You know, no, just having power and money isn't enough. You have to have suffering of others. Yes. Also, it, it's. That's part of it for you. Of course. Somebody has to lose. Somebody has to go wanting. It's not enough yeah. that I win. S- somebody else has to lose and lose back. Yeah, you can't have two winners. Right. You, you have to have one winner. Right. And I don't share. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't share my toys with others. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I have to have everything and make sure... Sh- and if someone has nothing, well, that's on them. They can have what I have if they just pull themselves up. It's this bootstraps bullshit. Mm-hmm. No, that's not how it works. Yep. Yep. Nope. So they're at this rally and it's awesome. And then we see Hampton is going to get arrested, right? Because he stole $70 worth of ice cream is what they say. And did they ever even prove that he did that? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, like, this is the most bullshit alleged offense I've ever heard. Whether it took place or not, it definitely doesn't deserve three years in prison. Two to five, man. I mean, holy crap. You know? God. And it, they don't even say like he robbed a store. No. or anything. they say he stole he it. Stole ice like was cream. he at like the like a Walmart and stole ice cream out of the freezer? Like I, I mean, the, yeah. Where did what did this come from? This is the dumbest offense I've ever. I heard know of. it's it's some serious. I mean, like they they could have got and they, I know because they couldn't get him on any other charges apparently because he hadn't done anything, you know, other than civil yeah. disobedience. Um, so they they come up with this charge of that he stole ice cream. You stole know, stole ice cream. Is he twelve? I that that's that's the other part of it. Is that is that like he? Because I mean, I, I maybe that was even part of the the insidious plot. Is that like if he goes into prison having stolen ice cream, then the other inmates are going to find out what he did, and they're going to be like think of him as like lower on the prison hierarchy. Oh, maybe that's true. You know, yeah. Um, he's not. Yeah, he granted he's not like a pedophile or anything like that, but he's not like one of them. He's not a hardened criminal. Exactly. He's, he's an a, ice cream stealer. Yes. Not even a thief. He's a stealer. He's a stealer. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to hear someone in that prison call him a stealer. <laughs> the, the Pittsburgh Stealer. Yes, there I you know. go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Time passes, right? Right. He's in jail for a couple of years. He gets it's out. It's only a few months. Oh, I thought he was in for a few years. Yeah, he, he only does a few months because like... You know, that makes sense right. because there's a pregnancy here. Because exactly. <laughs> at first, I thought the same thing because it felt yeah. like years had passed. Yeah. The, the way O'Neill talks about it, like in the narration, that like enrollment suffered while Hampton was in prison because like obviously they, they cut the head off the organization and they don't have that powerful right. leader anymore. The Panthers still exist and the Illinois chapter is still there, but they don't have this, you know, like obviously commanding presence. And so there's like a, a vacuum of power now. Right, yeah. And they've got to run it without their leader. A power vacuum, as yeah. we said. Not a vacuum of power. My bad. <laughs> a <Yeah>. vacuum of power. <laughs> right. yes. Oh, um, man. <laughs> so, speaking of some power, O'Neill gets some here because he becomes the security captain yeah. for the organization. Right. I guess the pool cue technique he showed, you know, really got him. <laughs> they showed a lot of class, dude. Yeah, you know? dude. yeah that, was, that was big time. So, I mean, if you're talking about a rat infiltrating an organization, right? Like you want to get to the top. If you get to the top, you can get anything you want. I mean, it, we talked about it on the Eastern Promises. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like in, in that instance, like Nikolai was a law enforcement officer, like a legitimate police officer. Yeah. And he becomes the Don. Yeah. Well, that's it for organized crime. <laughs> I mean, you, you've defeated the mafia, right? Yeah. Um, so if, if, O'Neill can become head of security for the Black Panthers. I mean, like, that's pretty high up. Yeah, that's like being a, a right-hand man. Yeah, exactly. You know? You're the number two, essentially. In charge of security? Right. That's insane. That means that, like, the FBI is going to know every all their comings and goings. Exactly. Um, and, and they're going to understand, you know, what the bodyguard situation is. Exactly. 
and this this all happens while Hampton's in prison for these few months. Right. Um, uh, we meet another chapter of the organization, the security captain from this other organization. From the New is, Haven office. Yeah, he's in town in Chicago, and he's at their headquarters, and they meet him, and he's telling a story about how they found a rat in their organization, and they killed him. Basically poured boiling water on him, cut his dick off, right. threw him in the river, all this stuff, because he's a rat. Right. Um, and they're telling Lakeith this stuff, and he's like, man... I would kill him too, man. Yeah. I, you can see he's a little scared. Like, oh, right. man, this is what's going to happen to me? Uh, no thanks, dude. But he's playing it up like, man, I would do the same thing to any rat. He, he, that, that rat's lucky I wasn't there. Yeah. You know. Yep. He's just like huffing and puffing here. Like, right. Like showboating a little right. bit. Like, yeah, I'll take care of him if I find a rat. <sighs> Which, I mean, I, I wonder, too, like, if it came to that, I, I bet he would. I you, bet he would do it. Do you, you think know? he would? I, I think that, like, in that moment, he'd be so afraid of, you know, like, being found unmasked himself that he would go to these medieval lengths to prove that, that he is, you know, like, not who he says he is. And, well, and that's what we find out the other leader did. George Sams. George Sams. He's actually a rat. Yeah. And he did that. He killed another guy who he labeled a rat. That way he wouldn't be found out. And the FBI put him up to it, sanctioned it, essentially. Yes. They know about the murder, and they know about the torture, and they're using it to their advantage. Yes, exactly. They, they, they reveal this later, and they're happy about it. Right. This guy committed murder, like, in cold blood, basically, for no good reason. Right. Just so he can, they can have better playing cards in their hand. Yeah. Now, wherever this guy Sam's goes, we could issue a warrant in and a raid wherever he is. Any chapter he goes to, we can get in that headquarters without any reason. We can do it now. It's this like really terrifying legal loophole that they that they've un that they've uncovered mm-hmm. because of this one, you know, horrific act. Yeah. And they're using it. This fugitive you know, is being harbored in this building. Let's go. Right. We planted him here. Yeah. Someone innocent died so that we could do this. Boy, you know, it just the corruption and power i know everyone in this movie has is disgusting and it it all culminates to in what comes like next further along in the police corruption it's not even at the highest levels now it's just even in the street yeah where the police who are hired to protect and serve yes i mean that is their job policing your neighborhood means like understanding your neighborhood yeah becoming friendly with with the people who live there um, so that they can trust you. Yeah. And to betray that trust in any way is horrible. But to do it this way is like obviously reprehensible and should never have happened. And it still happens to this day, of course. Yep. They essentially go into the streets, the Chicago PD, and they're outside Panther headquarters and they dare them to come out and yeah. uh, and fight them. Yeah. Because b- right before this, one of their members, Jimmy, went in and... He was trying to protect some people from, like, a shakedown the cops were doing on someone. Right. And it ended up in a shootout. So now the cops are outside the headquarters harassing them, you know? Because one of the Panthers was a cop killer, in their words, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, like you said, he was trying to prevent an injustice from happening when the cops were were unfairly uh, targeting somebody. Yep. So now they're outside the headquarters calling everybody names. I don't even want to repeat the stuff they're saying, but you can only imagine it. And, uh... The Panthers are inside, and they're, they're not happy about this. Right. Uh, all these ignorant police officers are out here 
just taunting. Yeah. Waiting for everyone, everything to blow up. And like they've, they've put, you know, girders up and, you know, police tape and everything to like keep all the civilians back while, while they, while they, you know, get this going and they're preparing themselves for a battle yeah. and they, and they want it to happen. They want to have a gunfight in the streets like the old West. Cause that's how they yeah. fancy themselves. Yep. It's so stupid. It's, it's just like, it's beyond disgusting and reprehensible. It's it's just now because we're talking about life and death, obviously, but it's it's taking right. a job that that you took this job, you took an oath to protect and serve, and right. this is how you do it. And I mean, I know it's it's used to definitely like amplify what they're fighting against, right? Like yeah. they're fighting against this system here that's oppressing them, and these guys are just out here like blowing it up, like like this really shows you. How bad it is, like how bad it can be. Yeah, of course. Like the cops, okay, if you want to surveil them a little bit, you sit there, you watch the building, make sure nothing's happening. You don't get on your megaphone and start slurring people. Exactly. Like counter surveillance is one thing. If if you feel that, like, I mean, obviously, if you think that, like, if someone is an armed suspect and you want to, you know, tail them, you, you want to watch what they're going, yeah, that, that that's not endangering the lives of, of the people in the neighborhood. This is something different. This is like, yeah, like you said, getting on a, on a megaphone and daring them to come out i mean and and essentially like like taunting them to the point where, where they have no other recourse but to you know like, yeah okay let's get into an armed conflict they, they, they do they actually get their guns out and they start firing on them yeah but they didn't shoot first no uh bill o'neill goes up to the roof i think he's actually trying to escape yes. he tries to leave but he can't because there's another uh member of the panther party at, down the steps right um and there's a great shot of him like trying to leave and he's walking through the building, but he keeps running into obstacles where he can't just leave. And he has to be like, yeah, I'm going to secure the roof. Or yes, something. Like he exactly. just to make an excuse. Go ahead, comrade. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and he ends up on the roof and he's looking down and they yell sniper. And then the police start firing. And yeah. And that's the green light to yeah. start to start shooting. Yep. Because they, they, they see O'Neill on the roof who's trying to escape and they, yeah. they perceive him as a sniper. Yep. You yell, he's got a gun. Now we have permission to kill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the the people in the building, Judy and whoever, another Panther yeah, here, the are right. firing out the window, and they end up getting shot. I think right. Judy's okay, but uh, they they surrender. Yeah, Jimmy is the one who gets who 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 takes the bullet, and like he's not dead, but like Judy essentially like they 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 wave the white flag, they, uh-huh. they take off one of their shirts, and they they like wave it outside on like the the end of the gun, yeah, ascent, giving up, yeah, and they say you know let us come out, and Judy helps the guy out. Yeah, out of the building, and the cops. Obviously, somebody needs medical attention. You, you would think that like uh, a civilized police force would 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 obviously right. secure the area and then go and help the man who has been shot. Right. But that's not what they do. They start to kick and punch Judy, uh, and and get her with the batons, and they do the same to the uh, to Jimmy as well before they put him on the ambulance and, yep. and you know take him to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and while he's in the hospital. You know he's got an armed guard outside his his uh, uh, his room, and he's and he's handcuffed to the bed. Um, he's being treated like a criminal because yeah. you know he was engaged in a firefight with the cops who started it. Yeah, and there's even the one guy, one of the, one of the other Panthers comes to like you know see him in the hospital. Yeah, he brings him some magazines or whatever, and the cop won't let him go in. Right, and it becomes this whole thing. Right, and they're being racist to him. They're yeah, being rude, and they they won't even let him see someone. He has the right to see. 
I mean, I, I know the, the Panthers and other civil rights organizations depicted here, one of the reasons the FBI was, was so uh, fearful of them is not, not just because of the charisma of leaders like Fred Hampton. That was the biggest part of it. The other part, of course, was that they were stockpiling arms. Right. Um, and, and the question the FBI never asked was why. Exactly. You know, like, there must be reasons why this many disaffected people would be willing to join this movement. I mean, what would have happened if at, at any time if, like, the leaders in America, in, yeah. in politics and law enforcement, had, like, invited Fred Hampton to, you know, a summit? Yeah. And they just listened, you know, to what he had to say. Oh, wow, what a great idea. Can you imagine? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> instead, their first instinct is to snuff them out completely. And because it interrupts what they think is the natural order of things. Yes, yeah. You know why we're here? Because no one listens. That's why we're at this point. If everybody, I mean, like, (laughs) God, just, just stop for a moment and look at what, look at what they're, what they've come from here. Obviously there, there's something is wrong if this person has this much and this person has nothing. You know, think about it for just five seconds, you know, and put your own material wealth aside and and understand that like like people are wanting out there and also if you have a heavily armed cadre of political extremists and they're this dangerous and and they're a huge like threat to our democracy then why aren't you infiltrating the nra yeah i mean although all those you know like like i I mean that obviously we know why they're not infiltrating the nra yeah there's one big fucking reason (laughs) and we know what it is yeah and it just you know like Obviously, this movie and and all the stuff we're talking about, like like, lays that bare. We we there, there's no reason to even ask the question because we all know the answer. Yeah, and you know what they did? They burned down the headquarters also while they're at it. After the surrender, they just throw a gas can in there and burn the mother down. This is like part of a community. This is there's a, no a, reason. A, th- to there do are this. businesses so that surround it, right? And and even if there weren't, it, you have no call to destroy private property like that. Yeah. You know, um, and, and also to, to do it in a way that's like threatening to the rest of the neighborhood. I mean, they, they, they do this in front of all the civilians exactly. Everyone's just to like watching. send a message, you know? Exactly. Yeah. We're, don't fuck with us. We're going to burn your house down. Don't fuck with us. We're the, we're the Chicago police. I mean, th- that Come is, on. that is the opposite of what you took an oath to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, wow. It is. And because of this, uh, they end up rebuilding, which is awesome. Yep. Um, everybody bands together. Everyone bands together. Even the community. Yeah. Everyone. The other gangs. Everybody. The, the crowns come in, and the this crowns, is when, the, when like yeah. the the, uh, the yeah the unification happens. They're like, hey, uh, you need some hand with with this, and and yep. you know, okay, you go over here and you you paint this wall, and can you help us hang this door? You know. Yep. And O'Neill really has like the lead role in getting this done. He's yep. telling everybody what to do. Like they're building new rooms, new offices, everything. Like, hey, you guys come and help do this. We need someone to do that. And this all happens while. Fred is in prison. Yeah. And he gets out and he comes back and he sees that Brenda's pregnant. You know, he's super happy about that. And he walks into the headquarters and it, cause he heard in prison that it was burnt down. Cause the right. guards threw a fucking newspaper at him. Like it's over. Right. Exactly. You know? While he was in solitary. Yeah. Um, so he gets out thinking everything's kind of lost. We got to do something now. And, I love it when he gets out, he gets in the car and like the main gang is there and they're all happy to see him. He's like, where are you going? You want to get something to eat? Where you want to go? He goes, go to headquarters. Yes. We're getting get back to business. Let's go to work. Yep. You know? Yep. I'm Fred Hampton and I got a job to do. <laughs> That's right. Like throughout it all. I mean, uh, like he was, he was in, uh, he, he did three months in, in that, in, in the county lockup there. And like he, throughout it all, 
as charismatic as he is and as and as like dynamic as he is he, i'm sure he thought of himself that way but he also like with his words when he gets out he lets everybody know this is not about me yeah you he know does. Th- it's it's about this movement yeah and if i die the movement has to continue yeah. So let's get to work. Yep. You know? And he goes back and he sees that the headquarters is rebuilt. He's like, wow, this is excellent. And then everyone comes out. It's like a surprise party. You know, yeah. welcome home. He's like, man, I knew it was quiet here. <laughs> like, um, and he's he's almost brought to tears by seeing everyone there. Right. And just the rebuild that they've done without him. Like he has affected these people and they believe in the cause. Right. Like they believe in him. They believe in the idea. And he says, anywhere there's people, there is power. He says it a few times in the movie. And this is one of those moments. Yeah. Because everyone came together and this was done because of people. I mean, it's it's just building community is 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 truly, yeah, it, it is powerful because everybody looks out for each other. Yep. You know, and and everyone is is generous to one another. And, you know, it's the utopia that we're after. Yep. Um, and then we get a, a welcome home rally. Forum where he gives another huge speech, you know, is this where he gives the I am a revolutionary speech, yes, man? Yes. Famous, dude. Um, he goes there and it's it's everyone. It's like all the different factions, all the different races of people. Everyone's there to to support him. He's back. Right. You know, and they're, they're all fighting for the same thing. And it's Daniel Kaluuya's like, it's oh, obviously there's he has he had a. He's an amazing actor, and he has so many great scenes in this movie. This one in particular, where he's given this speech. I mean, he's he's as confident as Fred Hampton was in mm-hmm. his performance. He's just like pacing back and forth. He knows what he's going to say, mm-hmm. and he and the courage uh, and the conviction behind his words is so like it's palpable. Yeah. And if whether you were there or whether you're watching it, you know, fifty years from now on, you know on your DVD. Yeah. Like you just, you're ready to go because of, of this guy. This is one of those like scenes that just gives you goosebumps when you watch the performance. Like he is, he is Fred Hampton. Just embodies him completely. It it always amazes me, man. Like I know all actors are great. They do accents, but he's English, right? And like, he, (laughs) I don't think that for a second, this guy's from England, you know, know. like, no, he's, he's as good as Christian Bale, like covering it up and like completely seamless. You'd never, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like this at, at this like rally here, Jesse Plemons is in the crowd. You know, he's kind of just there Ugh. with this, like, red, like, like, I don't know. It's a beret. Steve Zizou or <laughs> yes. beret, yeah. Yes. Dude, and it's it's one of... He I, looks I, like Willem Dafoe in Life Aquatic. He does. Yeah, he does. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And it's and it's the it's the scariest shot in the movie. Yeah. Because, like, Lakeith Stanfield is standing, like, at the at the base of the stage as the head of security, and he's he's chanting, I am a revolutionary, yes. you know, just along with, with Fred, and... And then he peers through the crowd, and the, it parts a little bit. Yeah. And just and that shot of Jesse Plemons pretending to be a revolutionary. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. It's unsettling. He's even got his fist in there. Exactly. And he's staring oh, at Bill O'Neill. It's so disturbing. Just and 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 reciting. Yes. With the crowd, but you know he's not there to do that. He's there to just poke Bill O'Neill a little bit. I know. What the fuck are you doing? And and what's great is that Fred doesn't know who. 
Right, nobody knows Jesse Plemons. Exactly. He's just another guy at the rally, you know. But he does know that there are Roy Mitchells in the audience. Mm-hmm. He knows that, like, you know, maybe there, there's a dotted throughout every rally he spoke at, there was definitely someone there who was undercover. Exactly. You know, um, because that's what, that's what Hoover's FBI does. You know, um, and he says, I'm going to make it real plain for you. Um, yeah. You know, and he essentially says, if the cops come in here and try to, you know, like rough us and try to, you know, push us around, we are going to push back. Yeah. You know, um, and it already happened previously because they, that was, they were just like on the defensive, but this is like, a, let them, let them know, letting everybody know, look, if you do this, you know, we are, we, we have no choice but to fight back. Yep. And, you know, that's obviously not what, what, uh, Roy Mitchell wants to hear. Um, right. <laughs> but, uh, but he already came in knowing, like he had made his mind up about how he felt about Fred Hampton and the Panthers. Exactly. Anyway. Like it, it's already determined. Exactly. Like, we're do no matter what happens, we're taking this guy down. Exactly. The, the, you could be the most peace loving people in, in, in the world and, and, but you're dangerous to us. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and in the speech he, he says, you know, kill some pigs, get some satisfaction and <laughs> kill all of them, get complete satisfaction. <laughs> Which is really like that's that's that is a sharp statement right there. I, I like it though. It is. And uh, um, Bill O'Neill even uses it against him later. Yeah. He has a trunk full of C four, and he's like, "You say kill him, right?" And he's like, "That's not what I meant." You know, right? I mean, it was pretty straightforward when he said it. Like, I'm yeah, like, yeah, you you do want to kill them, right? Like, you really do, right? right. <laughs> And I think Fred is smart <laughs> enough to understand that, like, you know, yeah, he, he said what he said, but he, he had hoped that his, his audience was as smart as he was. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. um, <laughs> and if, if the pigs come here and they act like pigs, then we're going to slaughter them like pigs. Oh, man. But we're not just going to go to City Hall and, and blow the place up. And because that will attract, like, th- that will bring the National Guard. Right. Then we're done. Exactly. They're going to squash the whole rebellion, you know, in in one afternoon. Exactly. You know. Uh, but um we get a great scene here uh where so they're going to send them back to prison, right? Yes, cuz they uh. they they figured out a way to like, you know, a, a loophole to like cuz he cuz he he'd got out like on some kind of appeal and yeah. then his appeal was denied after he got out of prison. Yeah. So there's a scene where he's reading through Deborah's diary. This would be f- this is before he's going to go back, right? Yes. He knows he's going back, right? Yeah. But uh, he's reading the diary, and there's something in there about... She's a poet, right? We've mentioned that. And there's something about being a mother. Am I going to be a good mother? This kind of stuff. And he's questioning her about it. Like, mm-hmm. why would you say that, you know? Um, and she reads him this beautiful poem about how she's afraid of what's going to happen. Because he's this powerful man who's targeted and willing to die for the cause... But what does that leave with me and the baby, you know? Yeah. Uh, what kind of danger am I in? And the way she wrote it, it's just beautiful, man. And it's, it's got that great music again I know. over the scene. And this is like, and uh, Dominique Fishback, like this is, like she's had tons of great scenes in the movie. This is this is top for her, where, mm-hmm. where she gets to like, you know, at one point she, she says something about like, you know, um, are, are you a poet or a Philistine? Yeah. And, uh, and Fred interrupts and goes, and he was like, what? What, what are you calling Philistine? And she goes, you're seriously going to interrupt me right now? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, he, he knows. Yeah. Okay. Just let me read exactly. the damn poem. Exactly. Okay. Let me shut up for five minutes. Cause she even says like, I need to share something with you. Yeah. Like just sit down and listen. And, and she does it. Yeah. 
Oh man, it's very powerful. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's really good. Because uh, you know what's at stake for everyone. I, I mean, we already knew that, but yeah. it really just puts a point on it. Like, right. yeah, this is a dangerous situation we're in. And you know, with 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 his whole thing of of the appeal and whether or not he's going back to prison, even him going back in is apparently not enough for Hoover. Right. Um, it's because, a temporary solution, is what he says. Right. Um, and he knows that, like, the symbolism of Fred Hampton being in prison, like, kind of galvanizes the the, the cause. Right. You know? It proves the point. Yes. Exactly. Um, so what can we do to make sure that, that this doesn't happen, that he doesn't become, like, a martyr, or that he, you know, is not, like, a symbol of, of you know, that... that, that mobilizes everybody yeah he needs to be he needs to go away we need to neutralize him right and this is why we get the scene with the c4 in the trunk yep uh because it turns out bill o'neill has a wire on during this whole scene he's recording everything because they're going to use it as evidence against fred hampton so they can do a raid on his apartment right and man when he pulls that wire out when he's leaving after they have their confrontation at the trunk of the car it's kind of like a gut punch to me, man. It's like, really, you're doing this? Like, this is how far you're going? Yeah, you're I gonna know. You're going to get this guy killed. Yeah. Uh, why? Because you, you need some money? Or you're you're afraid to go to jail? Don't don't you believe this now? He does. Yeah. He's conflicted. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, like, as the movie goes on, you see him getting more and more conflicted and what he's doing and what he's starting to believe. Well, and, and that's how Mitchell can get him, obviously, is that, like, yeah. you know... No matter how, no matter how, um, I guess strongly you believe in a cause, if the wages of this is my own life, you know, yeah. or or I'm going to have to go to prison, which I'm not prepared for, yeah, um, you know, like, yeah, m- maybe you would betray, you you would become, you would be his Judas, yeah, you know, exactly. And and the other part too about the wire is that like. What they pick up on this wire is nothing. It's, it's nothing at all. It, it's the opposite of what they were after, you know? And I'm sure they still used it. And of got they, they, they edited that tape yes. and made it sound like he's like, let's blow it up. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, now they've got their bullshit evidence to raid his home. Yep. And a lot of the Panthers are in there because they're like kind of, they're, they're, they're just standing guard. It's kind of like the, the going, another going away party for Fred. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. in there and... O'Neill is is like kind of jittery because the, he he's been given um a, a little like vial of poison. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the, at a bar and this old dude comes up and is like telling him, you know, that this is what you need to do. Mitchell sent me. It's a weird scene. It's really weird. You know, um, I don't know how they set it up. Like Mitchell and everybody, they, I mean, the FBI, it's they the does FBI. what they can do. Right, exactly. But, uh, they can make that happen. But yeah, that's a good scene too because right. he's like, I ain't gonna kill him, man. He's and the the other guys like. Dude, you've seen too many movies. It's just gonna put them to sleep. And this this other uh, this FBI agent who's undercover as like a pimp, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. And, and was the the girl who hit on O'Neill was she also know. FBI? I mean, I she could have been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it because the guy who's the pimp is like hitting on the one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and he just like is straight up like, "Hey, this is a great conversation. Let's continue <laughs> at my place." And she's like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh," and like, it's, leaves. Just like, it's so good. Yeah. Just, just stones him. It's great. And this guy's just been a player his whole life, right. probably. So it's just like another nothing off his back. You know, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's played by Lil Rel. Yeah, it is Lil Rel. And, right. and like, yeah. and and when he walks, and then he. You're thinking, okay, this is just background noise, you know. We're, we're yeah. not. This is not. But then, Lil Rel like comes up to uh, 
O'Neill and and just like he shows him the newspaper. Yeah. And it's got the little vial of poison in there. And mm-hmm. as as he walks out, O'Neill follows him to his car and he says what you you, you told about like yeah. you know hey you've seen too many movies, and he gets into his like Cadillac. And the guy's like, well, prove that you're FBI. What, what's it? How do I, how Show do I me your know? Badge. Show me your badge. And the guy produces the fake badge that, like, uh, O'Neill had used at, the beginning, of the, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, this guy is clearly FBI. And he's been, yeah. you know, like, just, I don't know what the deal is, but, like, he's been planted there to do this thing. It's great when you see the fake badge. That shows, like, how far ahead they're thinking. Yeah. They're like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm bringing this fake badge with him because he's probably going to question us. And not only am I going to show him a badge, I'm going to kind of say fuck you to him by giving him his fake badge sure. back. Right. Like, fuck you. We've, we own you, man. Do, you have to do what we say. Yeah, to, to, to prove, I guess, like what he's up against. Yeah, like this is how far it's gone, you know? Yeah. And holy crap. I mean, <sighs> you know, yeah, he, he, has, he has no recourse but to do what they asked him to do. Yeah, and right before this scene, he actually had another dinner with Mitchell. Yes. And Mitchell's like, you have to draw me blueprints for this apartment. Right. And, like, Lakeith Stanfield in this scene, he's physically, like, trembling a little bit. Right. Like, he is so uncomfortable with the situation. He he doesn't want... He even, like, smashes his hand on the table and stuff. I know, stuff. yeah. Like, in fuck. the middle of this restaurant. Yeah. Right. These are some of my other favorite scenes of his when they're doing these, like, secret meetups. Because Lakeith Stanfield progressively throughout the movie gets more and more nervous, more and more upset and physically you see it. Right. Um, and Jesse Plemons is just menacing in these two. Like he starts out kind of friendly yeah. and then he is gradually over time. Just you hate him more and more and more like Jesse Plemons too. I mean, the, I, I know he did stuff before breaking bad, but, but the first yeah. thing I saw him in was breaking bad. Me too. I, um, yeah. and he came in season five as Todd. Yeah. Um, one of the most menacing villains, you know, like without even, without any effort. Yeah. He just like, um, when, when Jesse calls him Opie dead eyes, I mean, that is what he is. Yes. He, he is a guy who looks like, if you have like a, a physical manifestation of what the man looks like, <laughs> it's it's Jesse Plemons. Yeah. It, it's this yeah. guy who who looks unremarkable, but is like has a hundred percent authoritarian power. Yes, and will destroy your life to to get what he needs. Yep, you know, and that's what he's doing in this movie. Oh man! Right. So yeah, we're at the going away party, and I keep talking about Lakeith Stanfield's physical performance in this. Like you yeah. said, he's like shaking. Right. Because he knows he's going to poison Fred Hampton here. Yeah. And he knows something bad's going to happen because he gave him this layout to the apartment. They, they're making him put a sleeping pills in his drink. They're going to do something. Right. And it's going to be really bad. And eventually, you know, he, he just, he says, you know, Chairman, uh, can I f- freshen your drink for you? Yeah. Oh, and he's like crying a little. Like yeah. he's tearing up. He's physically shaken, which you could... You could say, you know, okay, Fred Hampton's going to prison again. They're losing their leader again. Yeah. He's upset about it. There's a, there's Everyone there is upset. No right. one's happy at this party. Everyone's right. upset. But he's he's even beyond everyone else. He's like physically like there's tears. He's yeah. shaking. Um, and he he asks him, can I refill your drink, man? <laughs> and he's his eyes are red from the stress. And uh, Fred Hampton thinks nothing of it. I love when, when Fred just looks at him, he, he doesn't, he doesn't like have any kind of recognition exactly. He just, he sees that like, obviously O'Neill is upset, but he, he know like you said, there's a reason for him to be upset. Right. 
you yeah. know, he'd be sad that, that, that Fred's going away again. Exactly. And he eventually, like after he gives him, administers the poison, essentially, he leaves. Yeah. And that's when uh, Chicago PD shows up. Yep. And they unlawfully come into this apartment yeah. and they start shooting people. Yep. Um, innocent people are killed. Um, they, they kill Fred Hampton while he's sleeping. Yeah. Um, Deborah is on top of him trying to revive him and he won't wake up. Yeah. Because he's been poisoned. A pregnant woman. At one point she says she's 37 weeks pregnant. I mean, yeah. this baby is, is coming tomorrow, you yeah. know. Um, and they handle her roughly. You yeah, know, when they when they find her there, when they grab her, they point a pistol at her belly. It's it's so disgusting. It, it's oh. it's so it's dehumanizing. It it's like, um, it's detestable behavior. It is. And in this scene, the camera is set up kind of like in the kitchen, looking through the hallway towards the bedroom they were in. Right. And they pull her out, and they do the gun thing or whatever, and they kind of shove her to another officer who's in the kitchen and they're holding her and her face is right in the foreground of the shot. Great shot. It's wonderful. Yeah. And she's riled up, you know, lips quivering, everything. And right. you hear in the, in the bedroom, you see kind of a sh- two shadowy guys out of focus and they're like, damn, he's still alive. And then you hear bam, bam. And you see the gun flash and everything. Yes. Not anymore. And when the guns fire, you see Deborah's face just kind of like, shocked twice like she knows what happened and she's in utter disbelief that this is going down and she's also defiant yeah um she's not gonna give them their pound of flesh she doesn't let on to them how upset she is because she's not gonna give them the satisfaction right and we know as the audience that she's now the movement and we we find out of course later that she is to this day still the movement yep um and she stood up to an impossible situation. Yeah. No one ever defeats law enforcement. Yep. And she didn't exactly defeat them like, like she wanted to, but eventually there was like an acknowledgement at least, you know, somewhat that, mis- that it wasn't oh, that, yeah. but they, they said mistakes were made essentially. No, it wasn't mistakes were made. You willfully did this. There was not a, mis- there was no mistaking it. You, you committed a, an act of, of, Hostile war against mistakes somebody. can't be done on purpose. That's <sighs> fundamentally against the definition of what a mistake is. You said it, dude. Absolutely. Yes. Stupid ass uh, motherfucker. I mean, I'm so I know, mad I know, right now. I know exactly. Yes. And and now we get our final steak dinner with Jesse Plemons. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Bill is there. He's almost hyperventilating at yeah. this table. Right. And Jesse Plemons hands him this envelope with a wad of cash and some keys that apparently are for a gas station that he now owns. You're now a business owner, Bill. Congratulations. Welcome to America, motherfucker. I know. I know. Exactly. That's your reward is you're now part of the rank and file. Yeah. You know, like, like now you're just like me. Exactly. You, 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 you can now regard other human beings as food. Oh, dude. You know? Yes. I mean, yes. Jesus. He's an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that steak is... <laughs> <laughs> right. The steak is the movement. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. He uh, even says, he's like, my friend is dead. I'm not a panther no more. Right. The camera's on Lakeith Stanfield, and you hear Jesse Plemons say, you sure about that? Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. It, it's it's a punch right here. It, it's a... Oh, it's powerful. <sighs> it is. And, and and it's also just like indicative of, of like, so the FBI won, you know, it's, it's over. 
Yeah. It, it's it's done and they are victorious and even in victory they can't even show like any bit of humanity. Are you sure about that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, never forget, dude. You know? <sighs> yeah. And then that's the end of the movie. Well, the the fictional part. Right. We get another clip from the documentary of Bill O'Neill and the interviews. It picks up where we left off. What are you going to tell your son? You know? Right. And now we know everything that happened, you yes. know, through this fictional portrayal here. And he says, I was part of the struggle. I wasn't an armchair revolutionary. I had a point of view and I put it on the line. And I'll let history speak for me. That's that's what he says in the right. documentary. Right. And we, we get, uh, you know, the black screen with the, the text that pops up, kind of what, what happened after the story. And it says that this documentary aired on 1990, sometime in 1990. And that night, Bill O'Neill killed himself. Yep. Because this guy is tormented by what he did. Right. Yeah, and, and placing this text right after this clip of him saying this, like, I imagine he watched this air on PBS or whatever it was on. It was on PBS, yeah. And then immediately just took a gun because he couldn't handle it anymore. Yep. Man. It's like, uh, and, and to know that, obviously, right after right after you see him say what he said, I mean, it, it's pretty devastating. Yeah. Um, because if you don't go into the movie knowing that that that, that happened, I mean, like it's that, that he that he took his own life literally the day after the 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 documentary aired. I mean, like it's yeah. unmistakable why yeah. he did what he did. Exactly. Um, and and think about like what his where his mind was at in that moment, and what he says too in the interview about how he wasn't an armchair revolutionary and he put it all out on the line. I'm glad he said what he said because he's right. Mm-hmm. He really, you know, despite the fact that he was an FBI informant. He really was on the street doing all this stuff. Yeah. And despite his original intentions, he did come to know Fred Hampton. He did come to understand, you know, what, what the cause was all about. Mm -hmm. And in his head and in his actions, he was on the right side of things. Unfortunately, he had this other life that he couldn't, he couldn't let go of. And, And if he ever tried to like distance himself from the FBI, his life was over anyway. Yeah. Um, he was in an unwinnable situation. Between a rock and a hard place, man, this uh-huh. guy. That's right. This guy was screwed over just like everyone else. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and then uh, there's some more text we get, right? Like right. We, fi- we find out that um, Fred Jr. is now the chair of the Black Panther Cubs. Yep. You know? Yep. Which is awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's taken the mantle. The prince that was promised. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's the prodigal son. <laughs> um, yeah. And... Um, that's the movie. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I, I love this movie, obviously. And, and it's very important. And I, I hope it's shown in schools, you know. Um, yes. I, I know it won't be in certain sectors of this country, obviously, because, you know, we couldn't mm-hmm. have that. But, like, it, you know, along with other movies that are about, I, I said in the beginning about, like, the importance of this kind of cinema. Yeah. Um, cinema that is actual activism. Like, it's putting it out there. And it's, it's, it's not, like, soft-pedaling it for a mainstream audience just showing you, Hey, no, listen, the black Panthers were a Marxist Leninist organization that was heavily armed. And the reason they were like that is because of the injustices inherent in America. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they're not the same as the Klan. No, they are everybody. Not. And don't, and I mean the <laughs> idea that anyone would, would try to make that uh, comparison um, because it, it's just like the Klan, what they come from, what, the, what they're, what they're rebelling against was essentially like, they wanted to like, you know, uh, it was during the reconstruction of the South and they thought that the North was coming in and the carpetbaggers, as they were called, you know, 
Look, man, uh, we could uh, go on and on, but yeah. like the clan is not the Black Panthers. No, that's like you see two different people wearing the same shoes and saying they're the exact same person. That is so <laughs> stupid. Okay, yeah. It makes no sense. I remember like a long time ago, um, they, well, I mean, not a long, it wasn't even a long, it's, it's like the idea of like when someone, uh, when a white person asks, why can't I say the N word because it's in all these rap songs? Oh my God. You know, oh my God. Dude, just, just, just think about it for five seconds. There's that old, uh, you YouTube know, clip of that one teacher who did that or mm, something. Oh, it's disgusting. Right. right. I watched that not too long ago, actually. <laughs> like, I remember that. And right. I watched it. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid, people. Right. It Get exactly. your shit together. Yes. Come on. All right, Dave, anything else? Um, no, just that uh, we honestly just obviously see this movie. And, you know, um, and, you know, if you feel this way about these causes, go out there and, and be an activist. Like, like. Don't be an armchair activist. No, exactly. Like, like do let people know what you're feeling and don't squash it down just to, just to like appease the rest of society. Be who you are. Mm-hmm. I'd totally recommend this movie, Dave. Would yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent recommend. Um, you got to watch it. It's up there with the best of them. Like Malcolm X, man, put yeah. it right next I to I know that. it's, it, it's, it's like part of the same curriculum, obviously. And, and you know, like a high school history class should have this Schindler's list, Malcolm X, yeah. you know, it just show all this stuff like, to, uh, so that we understand like, like, you know, what, what the issues in our society are and, and, and teach real history. Yeah. Show how things really happened. Don't, don't try to, you know, like manage the news. There, there's yeah. no need. And I believe showing a film like this would have such a bigger impact than making someone read a textbook. Unfortunately. I know. Um, and this that, time, that, that's, that's how it works with me too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everyone should check this movie out. And that wraps it up. So if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Rate it, review it, most of all, share it. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes. You can go to dudesonmovies.com, find anything you need right there. Yeah, and we're on Facebook, uh, Blue Sky, and Instagram. Uh, Look for Dudes on Movies, and our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. That's right. And Dave, we have a question of the week. What's the question of the week? Uh, The question of the week is, what are the best movies or books about any aspect of the civil rights movement? There you go. Call into the voicemail, 628-400-DUDE. That's 628-400-3833, and let us know. And stay tuned next week when we do 1961's The Parent Trap, directed by David Swift and starring Haley Mills and Maureen O'Hara. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time.